I think the first step in building authentic content is you have to connect to it first. You have to strongly and firmly believe in it because it's a lot of commitment. There's a lot of time that's involved and your effort will come shining through when you're pre-creating that piece of content, when you have lived it, the pain of it and the joy of solving it and the pleasure of sharing that with the rest of the community, it'll come so clear when you are truly connected, truly believing in it. Welcome to the Food Startups Podcast. You just need the packaging to shout off the shelf. It's a different world when you actually think about adding value. But to be able to play now is definitely going to require some new thinking out there. Hang out with us and learn how to grow your food business. Hello, Food Startups Podcast listeners. It's been a while, but we are coming back in full force in 2018. I'll tell you more later, but the show will be back to a weekly format. And I'm very excited for today's guest. She is the founder and CEO of Epicurate Media, a digital marketing firm that is hyper-focused on helping food and beverage brands achieve their growth targets via carefully designed marketing blueprints and processes. And most importantly, she is the founder and CEO of Crafty Counter, which we're going to talk about today. Crafty Counter is an innovative packaged food products company based out of Austin, Texas. Their first product line is available in the market today called Wonder Nuggets. Prior to being an entrepreneur, she was the program director for worldwide systems marketing at IBM. She is a public speaker and has been featured on several TV and media outlets. Hema Reddy, how are you? I am doing fantastic, Matt. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, it feels good to do another food interview. Starting out, I mean, I've had, wow, you know, four or five people from the Austin food scene. Give us an update in 2018. What's the Austin food startup scene like? It is thriving. The vibe here is contagious. It is positive. And it's one of the most supportive communities that you can possibly think of. And uh, especially when it comes to consumer packaged goods, it is booming. It is a good time and place to be in this industry in this town. For sure. And you have a really natural, charismatic voice. And there's videos on NBC4, you know, on NBC Austin, I should say. I mean, Emma, how did you, were you a public speaker before this? What were you doing at IBM? Um, yes, I was. I, you know, but having said that, it was on a completely different topic. It was about uh, technology. So I did marketing for our big data and analytics group. And then moving on to our um, worldwide systems and technology group marketing. But in the nature of the job, I had to present, you know, to our customers, to our business partners, third party vendors that we're working with on a lot of different topics, uh, be it education related to technology or being it onboarding. But I've traveled worldwide, presented in you know, conferences, taught workshops, and I absolutely love doing that. Yeah, you definitely sound very comfortable on the microphone. So, I mean, I think everyone's going to wonder, what about food? Did you have a passion for food in your IBM? What do you like about the food business and, and cooking in general? It's funny how life pans out, Matt. But growing up in my teenage years, I thought I'll always be an interior designer. And Hema, hold on for listeners. Where were you growing up? In India. So I grew up in India. I did my undergrad in India. 
And, you know, growing up, I thought that I'll be an interior decorator or something in that realm of things. However, um, back in that time when I was doing my, uh, I finished up with my uh, 12th grade and uh, everybody was either becoming a doctor or engineer, you know, and everything that comes between it. <laughs> but and for my parents, uh, you know, being an engineer was the obvious choice because I scored well in, my ma- in math and science. So somehow I uh, became an engineer and uh, computer science, I did, got my master's in computer science here and then got hired into IBM right out of college and um, had a really good term with IBM, absolutely enjoyed my uh, tenure with IBM. But there came a certain point when I started questioning myself, what is my true calling? What is my true purpose? What do I want to do with my life? And um, that question kept coming back at me, uh, you know, especially after the first 10 years. And um, I started to think about it, like, you know, how do I want to think of myself in the next 10, 15 years? Do I continue climbing up my ladder, the career ladder at IBM, or do something else? And the clear answer was very clear, that I loved food, I connect with ingredients, I know them, and people kept on telling me that I should open a restaurant because I cook a lot, I used to cook a lot. But more than anything, I wanted to do something that provides real value to today's consumers, uh, to parents, to families, and something tangible, something that is giving me instant gratification. And consumer packaged goods is absolutely that. So it took me some time to figure that out. I quit my job with IBM about end of 2015, and I spent a few months just trying to ask myself, what do I want to do? And after quite some pondering and reflection, I finally arrived on the fact that I want to solve a real problem, provide clean products, and just make a difference in, every, in the everyday person's life. And that's how I ended up in food. <laughs> okay, two follow-up questions here. I enjoyed the story. Your colleagues at IBM, what did they say to you? What was their reaction like? They thought I was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I was in a good path. I was going to be, you know, the next graduate level to be was, you know, something in the order of senior director or vice president. And that was carved out. And I asked myself, am I going to truly enjoy it? While it's great, you know, it's a very comfortable job. And well, I wouldn't say comfortable, it's challenging, but is this what my true purpose is? And the answer was no, I wanted to do something different. I always wanted to do something on my own, start a business, but above and beyond that, do something that provides value. So yeah, they thought I was crazy. I was like, you know, they didn't think I would do it. First of all, they never thought I'd actually quit. And then they never thought I'd actually continue, <laughs> continue the path that I said that I would do. So it's, it still surprises them even today after two years. That must feel really good. I wonder, you know, sometimes it's hard to explain in words, you know, words can be very contextual and limiting, but I sense that uh, like a lot of people that, you know, it's nothing against IBM. I mean, it's been one of the top 20 in terms of market cap companies in the world for a long time, right? And they they do a lot of cool things themselves, but it seems like you would have, let's just say you stayed till 2020, you stayed another five years. It's just kind of the lack of fulfillment, even though I think financially and your career reputation profile will be very attractive. There'd be, there'd be something missing. Yes, absolutely. That's what I felt. Uh, I felt there was a gap. And, uh, you know, you get one life. There was this moment when at the time we were in California in Cupertino and uh, my husband works at Apple. So we were just walking in the corridors and I saw this, this huge, you know, portrait of Steve Jobs. And there was a quote, you know, I can't, I'm sure I'm probably still not saying it right back, but uh, you get one life. Why live someone else's dreams? There was a quote like that. 
And it just kind of haunted me for the next year. And I cannot say it was an easy decision. You know, I couldn't, I had a headache constantly for six months because it's hard to quit something that you've got a good going at. You know, it's hard to let go off of that constant paycheck and just completely do a 180 degree turn into an industry that you have no clue about. I mean, yeah, you know how to cook food, but that's got nothing to do with actually making it in the consumer packaged goods industry. So, but that moment, you know, all the signs just came together and I finally got the courage to quit. So. And how long did it take you to get that courage? Oh gosh, uh, about a year. <laughs> cool. It was not easy. It was not easy. So if I say that, hey, I just woke up one morning and I quit my job. No, I wish it was that way. But I went back and forth quite a bit and then finally took the leap of faith. And Hema, I guess that leads to my the leap of faith. The, the second question here in terms of faith, and you have to have a lot of it in the food industry. As we know, it's incredibly challenging. Were there any moments after quitting IBM with the steady paycheck that you question like, hey, maybe did I leave too soon? Should I have left at all? You know, the funny thing is, no, it is extremely hard. And there's no other way for one to experience how incredibly hard it is to do any startup, let alone a food startup. But I never questioned uh, my action of, you know, maybe I should have waited or no, not at all. I knew I'm in the right place. I still know I'm doing the right thing. Does that make it easy? Not at all. It is still incredibly hard and um, there's a lot of pressure. There's, you know, especially when you have quit your job and you don't have that salary anymore. And uh, as we all know, the margins are razor thin and it's a volume play in food startups now. But I never questioned my current positioning, uh, the way I'm executing on things. Not at all. Not a moment of doubt. I would not go back under any circumstances. I will take it forward until <laughs> the last ounce of energy I have in my body. Wow. Amazing. And, and Hema, I want to separate Crafty Counter into two businesses, right? Because you have, we'll say, the, the recipes and lifestyle brand, and then you have the food business. Mm -hmm. Many people here are familiar with running a food business and selling food products. But just because you have amazing, you know, packaged food products, a lot of times the marketing doesn't come natural. And for you, that does not seem to be the case. I mean, you're a natural. I think there's a lot that we can learn from that. So I'd like to start off with Crafty Counter, which is formerly Sneaky Apron, and we'll talk about the name change as well. Tell us about just creating, we'll say, the media and the content side. How did you get that started? That is such a great question, Matt. Thanks for asking that, uh, by the way. But um, it goes down to the overall sense of purpose as to what I want to do with this brand. Yes, I want to solve the um, immediate pain point that a lot of families or you know, young millennials Generation X deal with, which is, okay, I want tasty food, but I don't want it to taste like crap. I mean, I want nutritious food, but I also want it to be tasty. And, you know, being Indian, I, I have a lot of importance on flavor. It's got to have that punch. Otherwise, I'm not going to go back to it. So yes, I want to solve that pain point of making sure that we provide enough tasty, nutritious foods that are easily accessible. But Overall, how am I making a difference in a person's life? And that goes above and beyond. It goes into the whole recipes aspect. It goes into what I call, and you will soon see, is a community called Raising a Village. But essentially, it revolves around the fact that we have to constantly remind ourselves that it's a lifestyle change. It's not an immediate lunch, breakfast, lunch, and dinner change. How are we going to change our eating habits for the long-term sustainable health. And that's why, yes, we provide packaged foods, but we also believe in sharing those 
you know, quick and easy meal recipes and just small practices that can be incredibly helpful in making sure that we're solving the immediate needs, but also we're positioning or we're sharing whatever we can to help everybody become better cooks, you know, and use that kitchen space and transform that into a bonding space rather than, gosh, you know, I just have this space because I just need to make a meal. For us, it's all about using the kitchen in smart ways, saving time, saving energy, but also making as much food as possible at home as well and the other times and all of that. And, you know, we're going to start some workshops and some fun programs coming up in that, you know, in that sense as well going forward. Okay. So I'm very excited about that. You know, I can't wait to share that. (laughs) Okay, awesome. And Hema, just for listeners that aren't familiar with the brand and listeners, this can be found at foodstartupspodcast.com slash crafty counter. You know, the business is set into their food products brand with their wonder nuggets and this content website. I'm going to read from their website right now. Join our tribe, get notified on kitchen tips, family cooking nights, special invites and tasting. So it's clear that Hema is building a community in Austin, Texas and beyond. And once you have that community and you build that trust, you're able to introduce products that fit with their lifestyle. And I want to make a parallel comparison to Four Sigmatic, who has been on the show as well. And as many of you know, they are also hyper successful with their medicinal mushroom products and coffee and cacao and and matcha tea, you know, integrating them into the daily rituals. And the word rituals really stuck with me from that podcast because tarot types about eating and food and habits and bring things into a ritual. And, and you mentioned that as well, Hema, in your answer. So I'd like to know a little bit about the rituals. You know, what do you think about the rituals of your audience, the people that are subscribed to the Crafty Counter mailing list? And how do you create content for them, understanding what rituals you either want to change or adapt to? Yeah, again, great question, Matt. A typical ritual in the life of a community member that is engaged with Crafty Counter is, first of all, get comfortable, get your family. If you've got kids, get them comfortable. So Hema, I got to interrupt you here because I'd like to have you paint the persona. You know, who is the typical customer or member of the Crafty Counter tribe in detail? Okay, great question, Matt. The typical customer or a community member for Crafty Counter would be that busy mom that has got toddlers under the age of, let's say, 14. They could be anywhere between two years and 14 years old, one or more kids. The mom's busy and she might have a full-time job or she could be a stay-at-home mom. Her real struggles are there are some days where she just wants the meal to go down easy peasy without a tantrum or without a hassle. So she's dealing with picky eaters or she, at the same time, she's dealing with a very busy lifestyle. So she wants to once in a while take a break and have uh, an easily available options, which we present for your wonder nuggets. But at the same time, there are those days when she wants to sit down with the kids and engage them in into what makes a healthy meal and why. And how are the, what are the so, small steps that she can take and educate her kids in becoming better eaters? And that's a combination of multiple things. First, the kids have to be comfortable in the kitchen, you know, know how to empty the dishwasher and small chores like that, and then make small meals like scrambled eggs. So we talk about simple videos where the kids can whip their own eggs and make their own omelet, make their own sandwich or butter bread. So 
And then also have the kids come in and help the mom prep with veggies. So how to put spinach away so that it stores fresh. How to, you know, help do meal prep by chopping broccoli, putting in a bag, peeling the garlic, peeling the onion, putting it away. By doing these small things, the kids get comfortable with the ingredients. They get comfortable with handling and touching the greens. And over time, they're like, oh yeah, this is kale, this is spinach. I can totally eat this because they've already made friends with it by touching and by feeling, by connecting with these ingredients that maybe picky eaters don't care much for. They're averse to it. But by first becoming friends with the texture, by working with it over time, you know, this is what happened with my kids is they're like, oh yeah, I, can, I totally love broccoli now because they have gone through the gradual process of, you know, getting comfortable, getting to know, working with it, helping their parents cook it. And then one time, at one point, they'll actually make the broccoli stir fry themselves and there's pride in it. And they'll ultimately, I guarantee you, eat the broccoli. So doing small steps like that, helping them become better eaters and the overall family coming together and bonding over a plate of food. Wow. Does that answer your question? <laughs> yes. Hey, well, that was a fantastic answer. And uh, wow. So you also, just like Four Sigmatic, you think very deep into the persona of your, of your target market, right? Which I think is very important when you're creating content. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it just reminds me, the typical, right? Growing up in the United States was kind of like a, a trade-off, a negotiation with your parents. Like finish the broccoli and you can get ice cream, mm -hmm. you know, and, and things like that. But instead you're taking another approach, teach them how to use the ingredients, make them become familiar mm -hmm. with these ingredients. And all of a sudden it's almost like in a, I'll say trick, but in a positive way, a positive connotation, I should say, you're tricking them into eating vegetables, right? Because that's also being crafty or being sneaky and getting them to integrate foods into their diet, which I also see for adults, Hema, because something like kelp, which is um, a great superfood, but it's, it tastes awful. You cannot have a taste of kelp. It's not something that you want to take every day. And I think it's more sustainable to add foods into your diet that you like, that tastes good. If your goal is eating healthy and being nutritious and feeling good. And it seems like that's the theme of, of Crafty Counter. Absolutely. That's exactly it, is uh, addressing the immediate needs while having a long-term plan in place to make the kitchen the happy bonding place. Love it. So you have that central theme that's connected and present in any content you make. Again, though, I think people listening are like, wow, you know, I love, I love my food product, but I'm still not sure about the marketing. Mm -hmm. For someone that I'd say is a natural, or maybe after working for years in marketing is a natural, either way, mm -hmm. like give us some tips, just any final tips on the content side for making authentic content and building a tribe. I think the first step in building authentic content is you have to connect to it first. You have to strongly and firmly believe in it because it's a lot of commitment. There's a lot of time that's involved and your effort will come shining through when you're pre-creating that piece of content, when you have lived it, the pain of it and the joy of solving it and the pleasure of sharing that with the rest of the community. It'll come so clear when you are truly connected, truly believing in it, and you've actually made the transformation for your own family. So basically practice, not preach. So that's really the heart and soul of everything. And then take the extra step, take go the extra mile in connecting with your audience as well. So creating the content itself is not sufficient. A lot of times, you know, we have questions coming in by direct message or just offline messages while we're doing our Facebook live sessions as a comment. It's very important to treat every single comment 
and engage with your audience. And I see that, you know, in some cases that's, that doesn't happen all the time, but it's very important. And not just that, be, uh, being active in similar and relevant uh, groups and contributing content. So in other words, not just worrying about your content, what you're putting through in your community, but also engaging participating in other similar groups, be it a mom's group, be it another, you know, uh, group where the, the concept or the, the beliefs and, um, and the topics are the same, but you're contributing content to somebody else's content or contributing a response to somebody else's content. So those are really the heart and soul of everything and everything else just builds upon it. But the foundation uh, building blocks are just that, the beat, the belief, the faith, the execution and the connection. Love it. So obviously connect with your customers and your fans, uh, you know, create content that can work on similar blogs and platforms, right? And you do a great job on NBC video, which I was just watching before the call. And then I think the preparation, this applies to just about every profession and discipline. Obviously, you're going to have a lot of confidence in football game or a basketball game if you've practiced, right? It's, it's all taken care of in practice. And I see that a lot because if you're going to have a lifestyle brand, you have to live the lifestyle and that's going to automatically make you authentic because Hema, if you aren't living the lifestyle you're preached, it would be very hard for you to sound authentic, right? Where it's just naturally this is lifestyle you live and that confidence and authenticity is conveyed through your voice and, you know, just through your, your energy. Okay. I love it. And moving on, I mean, let's talk about going from the, we'll say the content game to the product game. So, well, first off, how do you monetize crafty counter? Is it only through products or can you monetize crafty counter outside of wonder nuggets as well? Currently, we're not monetizing it outside of Wonder Nuggets. We, our primary source of revenue is Wonder Nuggets. However, we also do do some cooking classes, very limited, but local cooking classes in Austin. And again, that's to build that tribe, um, that thought leadership in the local community. And amazing things have happened, even with the few classes that I've done. Amazing things have happened. It has led me to some precious relationships with other food connoisseurs. But to answer your question, primarily Wonder Nuggets, a few cooking classes, but we do have some future plans of monetizing the Crafty Counter community in a way that, again, solves a pain point that our community members have, you know, while delivering on that sense of purpose. Okay, so oh, I love it. It's you're building this community and this testing ground and the products themselves organically stem from the community. I think that's really cool. Yeah, and so we've talked about how to build a successful content network and, and where the products come out of. I mean, right now, what stores are Wonder Nuggets in? Right now, our vegan products are on farmhouse delivery. It's like, it's a community supported agriculture, uh, online grocery you know, model, as well as um, some local stores like Fresh Plus, Royal Blue Grocery. There's an Indian supermarket, which is which is good, which is, gets a lot of food traffic. It's called Manpasan Grocery in Austin. There is a store that's all vegetarian. It's called Mr. Natural. Our chicken skews um, will be available online on our own e-commerce channel, as well as on Amazon. And we're launching with Wheatsville, which is a local co-op store, which has got a really good you know, trust and following in the Austin community. And through the nine locations of Central Market across Texas. Our chicken skews, we also sold for briefly uh, for a brief period of time at um, a farmer's market uh, in downtown Austin. 
And uh, we also do a lot of local deliveries. So most of our clientele, I'm a firm believer in your having your own e-commerce channel for your product and building that direct-to-consumer relationship early on and because that, ha- that really helps you hone in your product, get some real feedback, you know who your consumers are, and you know, do constant feedback loops and such, and, and such things. So for every Sunday, we deliver for free Wonder Nuggets to residents in Austin. And it's very interesting you know, and I want to share this if that's all right, but to see your organic reach. So we don't do any paid campaigning so far, and we will start doing some marketing campaigns starting May, but so far it's been very much grassroots, organic reach, email marketing, but really trying to find your target consumers and see why they want your product and what is it in your product that brings them back to make make a repeat purchase. And so happy to tell you, I mean, we have had some incredible responses. Our clients are just, they're like, they send us these messages and these embarrassing photos of kids shoving the wonder nuggets in their mouths. But to see those kinds of um, responses, because you've spent all this time and energy building that direct-to-consumer channel is um, extremely valuable. And, you know, getting to know as to what they liked, what they did not like, is you know has been crucial as we build our plans for future product releases amazing two follow-ups here what have you found out so far you know what brings people back to become repeat customers of wonder nuggets number one taste they are just tasty because if you think about it uh, to, to share you a little bit more about wonder nuggets basically they have the essentials of a well-balanced meal in every nugget so our philosophy is every bite should have the maximum nutrition and i'm a firm believer having a good mix of proteins not just meat-based, but plant-based as well, and uh, fresh vegetables and whole grains. So that's our underlying philosophy. Now, I know that there are some groups that can't do grain, so we are also working on a grain-free version of Wonder Nuggets. But the idea is to innovate what your traditional chicken nugget looks like and make it tastier and healthier. So the one number one reason they come back is for taste. Number two is because there's a lot of other elements going on. It's not just a chicken nugget. It is chicken, but it also has plants like, you know, cabbage and cauliflower. And we add uh, chickpeas and quinoa for plant protein in addition to the chicken-based protein and uh, whole grain brown rice. And then we also have a vegan one, which is completely 100% plant-based with lentils and vegetables and chia seeds. So the second reason they come back is because of these ingredients, because it's a whole meal for them. So once you have a serving of Wonder Nuggets, they're done. They don't need to have that battle of each of veggies, you know, once in a while when they just want to take the break. So... Taste, ingredients. <laughs> I actually made a mistake by scheduling this interview right before lunch. I'm literally <laughs> staring at this and it looks amazing. It looks like healthy chicken nuggets, right? And uh, yeah, I'm excited to try these. And so the second question I had is this rebrand to Crafty Counter because I like both names, Sneaky Apron and Crafty Counter. You know, are there any concerns about shelf recognition? I suppose Wonder Nuggets will stay the same. So maybe that's the most important thing. But walk us through the rebranding, the changing the name from Sneaky Apron to Crafty Counter. Absolutely. So Sneaky Apron is cute. Um, You know, our customers love the name. But I wanted to go above and beyond and turn this whole mission around to a positive experience beyond the sneaky aspects of it. So we're not only talking about our mission is not just sneaking in ingredients. Like I said earlier, is uh, we want our mission to go above and beyond and transform the kitchen into being a smart working space 
for the moms and the dads or even you know um, individuals but also make it uh, use the counter as a place where the whole family comes together so the transformation is from not just being sneaky to going above and beyond treating the kitchen as a happy place and just getting crafty on your counter so it just seems to fit the overarching purpose so we thought this this was a good way to rebrand it and it's a good time to rebrand before we open ourselves to shipping nationwide in may i like that yeah and it's just the connotations of words right because playfully sneaky can have a positive connotation but in certain aspects sneaky can have a negative connotation right yes. yeah it can be a negative connotation where crafty is actually a more positive connotation. So, and it's easier to change now than when you're nationwide in a thousand stores and you have your all your marketing material made on the pocketbook as well. So, very cool. Well, well, Hema, finishing up here, you have your brand, you've built this organic community, and that to me, there's just so much value in this community you've built. What are the next steps? Where would you like to be, let's say, by uh, two years from now, visualizing? Where do you expect to have Crafty Counter brand? Fantastic question, uh, Matt. You're full of good <laughs> questions. <laughs> so um, in two years, uh, you've just tapped into this dream of mine. I wish if there was a day when we could provide this product in most schools, cafeterias, you know, across from K through 12, you know, or other just private institutions like churches, that would be amazing if restaurants could have this on their menu the objective is to provide a tasty, clean, you know, food option for parents that care, for individuals that care. And at the end of the day, everybody cares about what goes in your body. And increasingly, there's a shift about watching what you're eating, reading the label. So going along with that dynamic shift that's happening across the country for very good reasons, if there's a way with this hard-earned, you know, work of labor, the product of labor in creating these Wonder Nuggets, if we could penetrate a lot of those areas where kids can have easy access to them, then you know that I would call that a successful position to be in in two years. So not just retail, but also approaching food service and making it more accessible in as many avenues as possible across the country. So that's where I see this going is just making it more widely available across different kinds of channels, not just in retail. I love that. Have it start showing up in schools mm -hmm. would be fantastic. Well, Hema, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hema can be found at craftycounter.com and we'll do a quick bridge episode, but this is a good time to announce listeners that Food Stars podcast, I know a hiatus for a while and I've gotten more into the Bitcoin world as I continue my food business, but I will be passing on the podcast to Hema, who, as you've heard, is charismatic, smart, and will do a great job expanding the show. More to come in the next episode. But thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, if you have any questions or comments, find us online at foodstartupspodcast.com.